Oh, it is so good to see you. I'm Kenny White. I'm the lead campus pastor here at Shakopee. And for those of you who are first-time guests, welcome. We are so thankful to have you. And for those of you coming over from Prior Lake, God bless you. Thank you for coming. Uh, we're glad to have you. And uh, Matt, this is a special day. A few months ago, uh, Tom stepped down. He is retiring in Florida and and a part of the vision today, I think, is talk about the third campus in Florida. I'll speak in the winter. You can have the summers. And was, I might have missed that. That is what we agreed to. <laughs> right, right. I'm not a good negotiator. <laughs> it's, it's so special. I mean, we went through uh, a process, uh, Matt, in looking for the executive director and knowing that Tom's standard was, was so high. Um, and we had several people come in and prayed about it, and it just didn't work. And then there was Tracy Hatch. And we saw her resume, and we're like, does she know this position? Because she's awesome. And it turns out you are. And we are so thankful to have you, Tracy. We wanted to take just a few moments and give you the opportunity to share a little bit of your story. I know you have some uh, scripture, too, that's been... Uh, close to your heart, and we just wanted to give you that opportunity to, and Friendship Church, Tracy Hatch, Tracy, Friendship Church. <laughs> Thank you so much. I am over the moon excited to be here with you um, both today, but uh, over the last few weeks, and was thrilled to, to get asked to take this position, and so it is really my privilege, it's my joy um, to serve you in this role. Um, my name is Tracy, as we, as we heard. Um, my husband, Darren, is here at this service. He's in the back. Um, you'll see him up on the screen here. <laughs> um, we've been married for 14 and a half years, and uh, we tried for human children, and the Lord said no. So um, we have a fur baby, and his name is Buddy. <laughs> And uh, we love him so much. And uh, so we live in Prior Lake, so we'll probably most often be at the Prior Lake campus, but we plan to come here at least once a month to stay connected to the body over here, um, this part of the body. Um, grew up in Lakeville. I uh, went to college in Northwest Iowa, Northwestern College. And uh, um, I'm not sure what else I said that earlier in the other service, but... Um, You're doing great. Share, share, with <laughs> a, Tracy, share with us a little bit of your testimony. Okay. A little bit of how, okay. how you came to know Jesus. So maybe I'll share the two scriptures first and, oh, and yeah. then that. Um, so I, I wanted to share two scriptures because I feel like the first one kind of gives you a glimpse inside me and sort of what motivates me. And then the second one is, is really a, another important scripture to me. So the first one is Colossians 1.10, which is really my life verse. Um, and it, uh, kind of the Tracy version of that is um, to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, to please him in every respect, to bear fruit in every good work and to increase in the knowledge of God. And so that's really what motivates me. That's what gets me out of bed in the morning. Um, that's what I think about when I fall asleep at night. So just wanting to constantly be close to him and be growing uh, constantly and bearing fruit for his, his kingdom. Um, the other verse that I would share with you is kind of an overarching verse, but I think it's really a powerful verse, and that is uh, Hebrews 10.23. It reads, um, let us hold unswervingly to the hope that we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And so I share that with you today. A little bit about my testimony. I grew up um, in the Lutheran church. Uh, my family uh, attended a Lutheran church in Lakeville. Uh, I'm so grateful that I never had a time in my life, not a moment in my almost 49 years, <laughs> that I didn't know the Lord. I'm so grateful that my parents uh, taught me about the Lord. And, uh, and, and I grew to, to love him at, at really an early age. And so um, I had a deep love for the Lord. I always knew who he was, uh, believed in Jesus very deeply, uh, believed that he was who he said he was. He would do what he said he could do. And so I felt like I was saved. I felt like I was a believer, as they say. Um, and then in August of 2005, the Lord did some business with me. Uh, it was a pretty powerful night. Um, I was in a Bible study, actually, at my then home church, which was uh, Trinity Church in Lakeville. And doing my homework, doing my lesson one night for the Bible study, it really struck me. The Lord just really um, allowed the weight of my sin to settle on me in a really, really powerful way. And I was, truthfully, I was undone. I, um, for, and actually, he let it rest there for a few days. <laughs> he wanted to make sure I got the message, I think. Um, and I really felt the weight of my sin. I felt uh, disconnected from him in a, in a terrifying way. Uh, I realized there was nothing I could do. I realized that um, 
you know, my stuff didn't smell any sweeter than anybody else's, and that really, um, instead of just apologizing for my sin, which I think is what I had been doing to that point, I really needed to repent of my sin. I realized that I had maybe accepted Jesus as my savior, because that's the fun part, right? <laughs> um, but I had not really surrendered to him as my Lord. And so for a few days, I wrestled with that and cried out to him, and one night on my face, crying out to him, like, God, if you don't, if you don't save me, like, there's nothing I can do. And I suddenly um, heard the words uh, in my head of uh, Romans 8.1, there is now therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. I felt this amazing uh, lift of my shame and my guilt, and uh, I felt free, and I felt grace, and it just washed over me. And, and so that was, the, that was the moment that I accepted him as my Lord, and uh, it has been an amazing walk with him ever since. So uh, he's so good. He's so good. Mm, he's so good. Amen. Tracy, I, I was, and, and Matt and I have talked about this, you know, from, from day one, you've just jumped in and been willing to go and go get them. Uh, love that. In this, in this uh, I guess, early chapter, what do you perceive maybe God is leading you to do? Um, what's happening? How can, what do you, what do you perceive God doing? Yeah. yeah. So I, I actually am in a learning mode, uh, have been for a while, will be for a while. Uh, my hope is that I can add value as soon as possible. Uh, and, and kind of the first thing I'm looking for is the ways that the two of you and your, and your teams are um, uh, maybe getting hung up or maybe spending more of your time on administrative tasks, because I really see it as my role to take all of that off of your plates and to allow you to just um, lead and shepherd and guide and, and, and be before the Lord and not let those administrative things be a distraction. So... I really want uh, the administrative processes and all of the everything to just work really well behind the scenes, so well, in fact, that nobody even notices that they're there, mm -hmm. <laughs> and uh, and and that that that's not a distraction to the body. I will say, just for the benefit of of the folks here in the room, that um, I've seen nothing that concerns me. So there, there's nothing that's broken. It's just <laughs> there's nothing that's broken. Um, it's just that you know I want to continually. I'm I'm a process improvement kind of person. I always am looking for what we can tinker with under the hood to to make it hum a little better. Yeah, excellent. So. Tracy, there's a, a group of people here who want to be praying for you regularly. How can they be praying for you? Oh, always I would just say, um, just continue to pray that I just stay close to the Lord. That is the only thing that is important in my life, quite frankly. Everything else pales in comparison. So close and connected to him. Mm. Um, I would also say that I could do, as we talked about, that I could add value, that I could um, be taking those processes off your hands and, and uh, be a value to this body. And then selfishly, <laughs> I do have, I'm, I'm just a little bit out from a knee replacement. So if you could just keep praying that the wheel heals and, and, <laughs> and we're back running in no time. Uh, figuratively, I don't actually run. That's... <laughs> Sorry if you are a runner, I am so not. Same, we have so much in common. It's unbelievable. <laughs> well, that's great. Church, would you just join me as we pray for Tracy and maybe just right where you are, you can extend a hand and. Let's lift Tracy up. Jesus, we love you, and we thank you so much for what you have done, what you are doing, and what you will do. And Lord, we, we thank you for your great provision in our life, for, for the cross, for sins forgiven, for uh, life in you, and, and the way that you meet us daily. And we as a church come together and recognize how you have met us by bringing Tracy here. And so we ask that you would bless her, Lord, that you would strengthen her, that you would give her courage and, and focus, as she's even asked today, Lord, that her, her number one priority is always you. Uh, Lord, continue to work in her heart and life. We love you for that, Lord. And as she uh, looks through different things and looks at processes and evaluates uh, administrative policies and tasks, Lord, I pray that you would give her supernatural wisdom, mm -hmm. uh, Lord, that just immediately she would have a sense of, of your hand of goodness, of your protection, and of your direction here. I, I pray for her home as well, Lord, for Darren and for this fur baby, Lord, that you would continue to uh, unite them, continue to uh, keep them connected in you and in your body for your glory. And I, I pray for Tracy as uh, she heals completely, Lord. We, we pray for that, uh, that healing to come quickly, that uh, you would be exalted, that therapy would, <laughs> would go away very soon, 
And again, Lord, we love you and we thank you for Tracy and we look forward to what you do in her life and in our lives together. Mm. Be exalted here today, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Friendship, let's welcome Tracy. As Tracy talks about taking administration and details off of the plate of Kenny and myself, you can imagine how painful that is for us to give up all of that administration and details. We are detail people. We love spreadsheets more than anything. This is super difficult for us, so be praying for us as well. It's so good to see all of you at once this morning. Part of the vision of Friendship Church for almost 20 years now is that we are one church in two locations, but as Nathan said, today we are One church in one location celebrating together on this Vision Sunday. And what is Vision Sunday all about? Sometimes a church will have a Vision Sunday and they will lay out new plans for building and construction and renovation. And they'll ask you all to fill out some sort of commitment card towards that. That is not what this Vision Sunday is about. No financial commitment cards today. Sometimes a church will have a Vision Sunday, and we've done this a couple of times in the last couple of years, where they run through every ministry of the church and show how it fits together into a process and how it all comes around the mission of the church. But that's not what this Vision Sunday is about either. On this Vision Sunday, Kenny and I really just want to express to you a burden and excitement that we have in our hearts for one specific and very key area. The area of discipleship. The area of making and growing mature disciples of Jesus Christ. Earlier, when Kenny was still relatively new, we decided to exchange books as a way of kind of communicating to each other what was on our heart, what God was doing in us. And Kenny gave a book to me that was called Discipleship. And I gave a book to Kenny called Deeper Discipleship. And the thrust of both of these books was the same thing, that the church of Jesus Christ would keep the main thing, making and growing mature disciples of Jesus, the main thing. There's a lot of other things that can creep into the church. There's a lot of other things that become distractions all around. But Kenny and I both shared this this burden and desire in order to keep the main thing of making disciples the main thing at Friendship Church, to not allow us to get distracted. What is a disciple? A disciple is someone who is becoming like their master. That's not my definition, that's Jesus' definition. He says in Luke chapter 6, verse 40, a disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone, when he is fully trained, will be like his teacher. What is a disciple? one who is becoming like their teacher or master. And we're called to be disciples of Jesus and to make disciples of Jesus. And so our ultimate mission as a church is to make people who are becoming like Jesus Christ, who are growing towards maturity and Christ-likeness in their life. Jesus says this is our great mission, most famously in Matthew 28. What does he say in Matthew 28? All authority has been given to me. Therefore, in your going, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them what? To obey all that I have commanded. And behold, I am with you always to the very end of the age. We want to be a disciple-making church. And I'm going to ask Kenny to come right now and tell you a little bit more about how Jesus did that with his own disciples. Amen. Well, go ahead and turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 4. We're going to pick up the story right there. And as you're you're turning to Matthew chapter 4, I want to share just a couple of things because what we see in the first century is this launching of two houses. And the two houses are the house of Shammai and the house of Hillel. And these two houses uh, start this discipleship movement, this rabbinical movement. 
Jesus is a second generation rabbi. He's come under those two men who in Israel are a really big deal. And you can imagine when you have uh, uh, all of these rules that are trying to be addressed. How do I deal with 613 laws? What What do I do with these things? What does it look like to honor my father and mother? How do I keep the Sabbath and this rabbinical school started, these houses, if you will? And what they did is they waited for these young people who started at at about five years old through 12 years old. They went to these schools and they started to learn to memorize what we would consider the Old Testament. And then they had to memorize the oral Torah, which in size is about the size of our Bible. And they memorized that from five years old to 12 years old. And in memorizing it, at the end of that time, they would go to one of these rabbis and they say, Rabbi, as you are, so I want to become, may I follow you? And if the rabbi thought they were particularly smart, even though they had just memorized all that stuff, if they thought that they were particularly able, they would say, come, follow me. And we're going to see that Jesus takes this banner. He's going to break some precedent a little bit. But he takes this banner and he builds his ministry off of this issue of discipleship. So let's go ahead and jump in together. We're in Matthew chapter 4 and we're going to start in verse 18 and walk through it together. If you have your pen or a highlighter on you, I want to encourage you to get ready. Because we're going to have some fun as we go. And this is what it says. While walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. If you would underline Jesus' words there, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. We're going to focus on that here in just a second, as it's very important. Watch their response. I mean, I always thought this was funny, Matt. Like, wouldn't you think that these guys would be like, look, we're fishing right now, maybe later. Like, this is pretty inconvenient, rabbi. Uh, You would think that, but look at their response. Immediately, they left their nets and followed him. And going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in the boat with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets, and he called them. Immediately, they left the boat and their father and followed him. Now, we may not fully get the grasp of this, so, so let me help out with the best terms. It's not exactly apples to apples, but maybe it's close-ish. But if you saw uh, some high school quarterbacks, and then suddenly uh, someone like Tom Brady shows up and says, I'm going to teach you to, you know what, let's make it a good quarterback. Aaron Rodgers shows up. <laughs> I had to. I just had to. Okay, so anyways, this professional quarterback shows up and teaches these boys, this is how you do it. No, no, no. You don't want to do it that way. You don't want to do it this way. This is how you go through. Like, imagine how exciting that would be for these young men. It was like that in the first century. Oh, that there would be a rabbi who thought that I was smart enough who the, the thought that I was able enough to, to memorize the word and to live it out. I would do anything to follow a guy like that. And Jesus shows up and he says, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. And let's break that down because when we're talking about discipleship, there, there's a little bit of a process here and we have to recognize that it starts with their head, right? Follow me. There has to be this conscious choice of Jesus, I choose to follow you. For those young men in the boat that day, I'm going to put my nets down to the side. I'm going to follow you, Jesus. Yes, I want to be as you are. I want to follow you. It's a mental decision, a choice. But then Jesus says, I will make you. There's a transformation of the heart, and that's something you and I can't do. We can't can't change our hearts. We, We can modify our behavior, but we can't change our hearts. This is a work of God himself. And Jesus says, I will make you. And then he says, fishers of men, calling them onto mission together. We're in this together. We're going to do this together. I want you to be a fisher of men, that you would win people, that you would disciple people. 
And we know this because in Matthew 28, as Pastor Matt was sharing just a moment ago, we, we get the thrust of the ministry, like the, the conclusion, if you will. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to Matthew 28, and, and we'll look at that uh, quickly together. <laughs> this is, Jesus has been on the cross. He gave up his life. He wasn't murdered. He gave up his life. He was in the tomb for three days, raises from the grave. There is now a stir and excitement among the believers. Is that real? Is this really happening? And Jesus meets them, visits with them, and then he meets them, and, and we see this passage. This is what it says. And Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Then he says, go. The idea there is to be going, like keep going. Don't stop going. You're going. As you live out your life, you're going. Go therefore. Always, when you see that in scripture, stop. When you see the word therefore, ask the question, what's it there for? It's a good question to ask. Why is the word therefore there? Well, it's there because all authority has been given to Jesus. Jesus is the one who can make this imperative. Go, go. That's Jesus. He has the authority to do that. Go, therefore, and make disciples. We've talked about that. Of all nations, there is no bias in this. It's not just for the nation of Israel. It's for everyone. Baptizing them. The word means to immerse. It is often used in, uh, in the context of coloring clothing. So they might have a, a, like a, a white tunic. And they say, I want this tunic to be purple. So they would put this in this purple vat and they'd stir it around. They'd pull it up. Is this purple enough for you? No, not quite. Immerse it some more. Baptize it some more. Make it more purple. And that's the word picture that is given. Baptizing them in the name of. And the name of is a Hellenistic term that was used often to mean a transfer of property in the name of. And maybe there is a subtle message here that in being baptized, we are being transferred from our hurts, habits, and hang-ups to sin and death to the one who gives life, the one who gives freedom, the one who calls us to himself, the one who is willing to indwell us in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe or care for, or to tend to carefully is how that, that, another way that could be translated. All that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Jesus doesn't leave us. And we know that that has worked. <laughs> we know for many reasons, and one of the best reasons is we're here today. See, there were people who said, yes to Jesus, I, I, I want to be your disciple, and they were willing to do whatever it took, and for some of them, it was their very lives, and the gospel continued on, and it multiplied, and more people received Christ, and those people made disciples, and those people made disciples, and we're here today because somebody made a disciple, <clears throat> and so what does that mean? It's really great for us to talk about that in church, but I think in, in many cases, it's abstract, right? Like there's this idea of, okay, do we go to a 12-week Sunday school class, and uh, then suddenly we're disciples? Well, I leave that question to Pastor Matt to answer. As you know, churches wind up being known for a number of different things. There are churches that have certain emphases. And so there are churches out there that when you think about them, the primary thing you think about is a very well-planned and emotional Sunday morning experience. And there's other churches that when you think about them, what you think about is the amazing facility that they have put together. And there's still more churches where when you think about them, you think about the dozens of programs they have that are all very well administrated. There's nothing wrong with any of those things, but as Kenny and I have been talking, if we want Friendship Church to be known for one thing, our heart is that we would be known as a church that makes disciples, people who are becoming like Jesus Christ, that that's the core of who we are and what we're known for as a church. And as Kenny and I have been talking about that, we believe that in order for that to happen, 
the teaching ministry of Friendship Church, and I don't just mean the preaching ministry of Friendship Church, but the overall teaching ministry of Friendship Church needs to be focused on three key things, right? It's a sermon, and one of us needs to bring three points at some point, right? Okay, so here's three points. First, we want to be focused on Jesus in all of our teaching. We want to be focused on Jesus and God in all of our teaching. Now, you may be saying, well, duh, this is a Christian church. Of course we want to be focused on Jesus. But in fact, in our society, there is more and more teaching going on in churches that isn't primarily focused on Jesus or God, but is focused on self. A few months ago, I was watching one of the most famous speakers in America. He's on a couple of different Christian television stations, and his live stream is watched by hundreds of thousands of people each month. And he was speaking on Mark chapter 5, and if you're familiar with Mark 5, it's an, an amazing chapter all about the greatness of Jesus. It actually starts at the end of chapter 4 where Jesus calms a storm that was life-threatening. And then he moves on and casts out the most impressive and most potent demonic force anywhere in the region. Then he heals a woman who has been bleeding for 12 years. She was ceremonially unclean, but when she touches him, she becomes clean. Jesus doesn't become unclean because Jesus is cleanliness itself. And then finally, Jesus raises a young girl from the dead. It is this astounding chapter about the identity of Jesus and how amazing he is. And as I was watching this famous speaker speak about it, he had titled his message, You Must Be Important. And the thrust of his message was, Jesus did all of these things for these people because they are very important people. And ultimately, you're a very important person, so Jesus will do all of these things for you. And that kind of self-affirming, self-focused preaching is extremely popular in a culture that becomes more and more about self. But we recognize that there is no growing deep with God or experiencing the transformation of the Holy Spirit when our primary focus in our teaching is on ourself. That ultimately, the primary focus in our teaching needs to be on who God is. It needs to be on the identity and work of Jesus Christ. And so in everything we do, we want to make sure that the thrust of our teaching is about who is Jesus? How can I know him more? How can I be more in awe of God? How can I exalt him all the more? And so we want to make sure that God is at the center place of all that we teach. And that is the only pathway to genuine discipleship. The second thing that we want to make sure that all of our teaching is focused on at Friendship Church is the biblical gospel. The gospel of Jesus is good news that is a response to some very bad news. Right? What is that very bad news? That I am sinful. That because of my sins, I was separated from God. And that if I stand before his judgment seat separated from God, there is punishment that is rightfully mine because of that. And the gospel of Jesus Christ is a response to that bad news that Jesus has stood in as my substitute, that he has taken my sins and my punishment so that I might be set free and be adopted into the actual family of God and live as one of God's children. Now, because topics like sin and separation from God and punishment aren't particularly popular in some settings this day, the gospel has shifted a little bit. So that often at the end of a sermon about how you can be a little bit better person, you're asked if you want to pray a prayer so that Jesus will come into your life and give you the Jesus boost you need in order to be a little bit better person, to be a little bit more fulfilled as a person. And we clearly do not want to be a gospel is a Jesus boost kind of church. We want to recognize that the core of the gospel is that we have an intense sin problem and that Jesus came in order to deal with that sin problem and that we can't fully understand the beauty and the glory of the gospel until we recognize the depths from which we've been saved. And so every time we gather, we want to reflect on our sin, on the depths of our brokenness, and then we want to glory in and revel in God's amazing goodness and grace that has lifted us out of that. One of the primary ways that we do that as a church is through the taking of the elements of communion. 
Within the taking of the elements of the Lord's Supper, we recognize our brokenness, our sinfulness, but then we push beyond that to the grace and mercy of our God and what Jesus has done on our behalf. And so, because we desire to focus on the biblical gospel as we meet in worship, one of the things that we're going to do this year is we're going to take the Lord's Supper every Sunday when we meet together. We can't imagine a better way to make sure that our sermons wind up focused on the cross and the central place of Christian teaching than to make sure that we end up in a place of taking communion together and the Lord's Supper together because we want to be a church that's focused on the biblical gospel. We want to be a church that's focused on Jesus, focused on the biblical gospel. And finally, we want to be a church whose teaching is saturated by the Word of God. A church whose teaching is saturated by the Bible. As Kenny and I have been talking, one of the things we recognize in the years and years and years of ministry is that there is greater biblical illiteracy now in the American church than there has ever been. And it is impossible to know God deeply if we don't know his word that he's given to us deeply. It is impossible for us to be transformed by the renewing of our minds if we have not dug in deeply to know God deeply in his word. And so one of the things that Kenny and I have been doing is building a seven-year teaching strategy in order to help saturate our minds, hearts, and lives with the Word of God. Uh, We've put together a a seven-year teaching strategy that involves preaching series, life group curriculums that we're producing, and seminars that we'll put on on the weekends, or I don't know, it doesn't have to be on the weekend, right? Yeah, who knows? And one of the things that we want to make sure we do over the course of seven years is cover all that the Scripture has to teach us about God. That means walking through the books of the Bible, recognizing the way that God has taught us through the patterns of those books in the Scripture and getting to know Him in them well. And along with the books of the Bible, we also want to dig in and know the major themes and topics that the Scripture teaches us across those books. And so we have put together a plan that will help people over the course of seven years experience all that the Scripture has to teach. As Paul refers to it, the whole counsel of God. So for example... You'll see up in 2021-22 under preaching series, it says Genesis 1 through 22. Well, that's actually two different sermon series we're going to do that are separated by Christmas. Uh, and, And the first one, chapters 1 through 11 of Genesis is called Creation and the Cross. How do those first few chapters of Genesis teach us all about the gospel? And then a little later on, we're going to do a sermon series on the life of Abraham called When God Says Jump all about the faith and covenants that are a part of our relationship with Jesus. And so we'll cover Genesis 1 through 22 in sermons over the course of this year. But we'll also be releasing life group curriculum to our life groups that'll cover those who followed Abraham, Genesis 23 through 50, and how God worked through those people in order to continue that covenant line that he created. We will, over the course of the years to come, be talking about the book of Romans. We're going to do four separate sermon series that allow us to cover the entire book of Romans, but we can't cover everything from the pulpit in seven years. As fast as we try and talk, it is impossible. And so, we're releasing life group curriculum next week on the book of Galatians, which shares many of those same themes with the book of Romans so that people can get those things together. Uh, We we can't cover every gospel, so we're going to preach through the gospel of Mark, but the gospel of Luke will be released as a life group curriculum. And we're writing these life group curriculums with the hope that you'll be able to see those themes that come across the preaching and the life group series. Now, we not only want to cover the books of the Bible over a seven-year period of time, we want to cover the major themes that Scripture gives us. And so Kenny and I have identified almost a hundred different themes and major topics in the scripture, and we'll be teaching through those as well over the course of those seven years. Uh, You can see that there's a series in that first box up on the left side called Jesus Identity. 
Who does the scripture teach us Jesus is? And walking through those teachings throughout the scripture. To supplement these teachings that will be in sermon series and life groups, we will also be offering seminars on particular topics. And as you walk through the years, you'll see that coming up this year, there's a Resolving Everyday Conflict seminar that's coming up in about a month. You'll hear more about that next week. There's also seminars on prayer and marriage and battling worry. And as you go through the years to come, there's other seminars that you'll be able to take part in on things like grandparenting or, or judging rightly, things like decision-making or the book of Revelation, chapter 4 through 22. That's Kenny's. Okay. <laughs> and as we have put this together, we want to make sure that people have an opportunity for what I've referred to as cross-cutting that they have an opportunity to see the scriptures the way God has written it, book to book to book. They're looking at the word of God in its context, but that they are also cross-cutting with the major themes and topics that run throughout the scripture and seeing those things throughout the scripture as well. In addition to these sermon series and life groups and seminars, a part of the seven-year plan is that we are going to be starting something called Core Discipleship. Core Discipleship begins 15 days from now, and it is our plan that Core Discipleship would be a ministry that helps people dig in deep into the Scripture and deep into spiritual practices so that they can know more about God and know God more deeply. And so on Monday nights, people will come into this room and sit at 22 tables of four and five people. And as they're sitting there, they'll spend some time eating dinner together, catching up about how life is going, and then they'll transition into a discussion about that week's homework. Yeah, you heard me right. That week's homework, right? As they dig into the Word and spend time studying, and there'll be discussion about that homework, and then there'll be a lesson presented about that subject for that week that relates to that homework that they have done. Then after that, they'll have an opportunity to discuss what has been presented and apply it in their lives at their tables. Then there'll be a a short presentation about a spiritual practice or spiritual discipline that God has given us to know him better and discussion at the tables about how we're going to apply that as tables over the course of that week. We want to dig in deep. Core discipleship is going to be work. Uh, I know you heard me say the word homework. Homework. There is about an hour's worth of homework each week with this. But don't the things that genuinely bring growth to our life always involve effort? Can you think of any better way to use our time than to dig in deeply into the Word of God in order to seek Him and know Him better? Now, because the, the tables need to be limited in size, we have a limited number of spots for core discipleship, but there are still plenty of spots still available, and you got one of these cards on your way in, and they'll tell you where you can go on the website if you're interested in signing up in order to be a part of core discipleship. You can go to the link that's there on the card uh, and sign up and choose a table that you'd like to be a part of. There's more I'd like to share with you about what is planned for the years to come, but I've already overshot my limit. and need to turn it over to Kenny really quick. <laughs> Thank you. Sorry. No, that is okay. <laughs> All right. Well, you know, as we begin to talk about this, obviously, we're, we're investing heavily in core discipleship, and um, I, I want you to know that it, it's not about a program. Uh, it, it is about the life of Christ and the Spirit's work in our lives. And Core Discipleship is a vehicle that we are investing in heavily to make sure that that's happening. We also recognize that there could be some, uh, you may have something going on on Mondays. There may be a variety of things. So let's talk about how do we, how do we uh, push this matter of discipleship in our lives? How do we push it forward? What are some next steps? What are some on-ramps? Well, one thing that we want to encourage everyone, get involved just even at the, at the basic level with devotions. Now, devotions look a little bit different with each person, but basically when I say devotion, I'm talking about spending some time in the Word and spending some time in prayer. 
And not just a, a cursory glance at the word, but digging into the word. So that may be for some of you who are morning people, you may, need, you may enjoy getting up a little bit earlier and spending some time reading the scriptures, walking through it. If you don't know a good place to start, I would encourage you to start in the Gospel of John, partly because I love to see how Jesus interacts with people. And we get his, his personality comes out a lot in the Gospel of John. You may be an evening person, a night owl. That's great. Then before you go to bed, we want to encourage you to spend some time in the Word. Getting in the Word, being educated in the Word, spending time in prayer, uh, that, that, that is an easy way to advance discipleship in our lives. Secondly, you may be uh, in a place where you're saying, you know what, I'm a believer, I'm a follower of Jesus. I heard you talk about Matthew chapter 28, and you said, go, therefore, make disciples of all nations. And then you said, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And I've never done that. Well, in October will be our next baptism, and I strongly want to encourage you to engage with some conversations. Uh, consider signing up. See what the Lord might have for you as your next step of obedience to Christ. Thirdly, there are life groups. Now, uh, there are life groups that meet on a variety of days throughout the week, different times and different topics. We're encouraging some uh, specific uh, topics, and we're, we're doing training on those things. But it's that training piece that I want to encourage you with, that we're spending time with our life group leaders and educating our life group leaders to, to be able to walk through um, discipleship together. In fact, there's a meeting right after this. We'll be, I'll be uh, working with some of our life group leaders to talk through some of these very things that you're hearing today. So life groups might be a great place for you to make that next step to say, how, how do I engage in the word? How, how do I engage other people in, in caring for one another and in praying for one another? Life groups are a great place to do that. And then uh, join a serve team, a serve team. We have a few members of the staff. If, if you're a staff member and you're in need of somebody to help in your ministry, would you just stand up? There, <laughs> yeah, there are a couple. Oh, there's an, in the back, there's people waving arms and stuff. Yeah, thank you. Thank you, Some team. Some may never sit down. <laughs> All right. Thanks, team. Uh, but these serve ministries are there on purpose. And uh, give us opportunities to take the things that we learn and serve one another in ministry. And you saw some avenues just right here today of where we can serve. And if you say, ah, uh, I'm not sure what that person represents, or I'm not sure if this gift helps, let us know, and we will help you to uh, discern that through prayer, maybe through uh, some conversations and that sort of thing. But we want to see uh, people engaged in uh, serving the Lord. With that in mind, I'm going to ask uh, Paul, Bill, and Kevin to go ahead and make their way forward. And as they're coming forward, uh, I, I, we wanted, it's important for us to take a little bit of time and spend it in prayer. As we're talking about vision and direction, that's all great. It, it's wonderful. Has to be bathed in the Spirit. We don't want to do this just in the flesh. We don't want to just do it uh, by invoking our own will and desires. We believe that these are biblical mandates that, that we've uh, been given. We believe that there are some vehicles to help us to accomplish that, but we want to engage in prayer together. So uh, Paul represents our elders, Bill represents our trustees, and Kevin represents our uh, missions program uh, that is local, regional, and across the world. So uh, we've asked them to come today and lead us in a time of prayer. And so without further ado, Paul... I'll turn it over to you, brother. Let's pray. Father, today in this place we come to say thank you for your son, the Lord Jesus Christ, and the life that he laid down so that we could be reconciled to you. We did not deserve this gift. As an elder, one of the overseers of Friendship Church, I confess that I've given into pride in my flesh, operating in my own strength, not always being led by the Holy Spirit. I confess past areas of pride 
that have caused us as leaders to think of this church as better than other churches. That's haughtiness. That's sin. I repent of the ugly sin. We have at times been unaware of pain that we've caused others, unintentional wounds that resulted from unkind words or actions. We, we repent of those sins today. On behalf of the body here at Friendship Church, I confess that we at times have failed to trust you. We have been a people lacking in faith. Forgive us, O oh God. I confess that the United States is turning its back on Jesus Christ. Father, you are a gracious and merciful God, kind and compassionate. You are a God of holiness and righteousness. You hate sin. We ask that you would forgive us of our individual sins and of our corporate sins at Friendship Church. We ask that you would listen today. Incline your ear and hear us, Father. We are a desperate, desperate people crying out about the deep need of the United States for a Savior. Please bring us to our knees. Please bring us to prayer. Please bring revival to our land. We do not present our pleas before you because of our righteousness, but because of your great mercy. O oh Lord, hear. O oh Lord, forgive. O oh Lord, please act. Please don't delay for your own sake, God, because your people are called by your name. Lastly, Father, your son said these words in John 17. I do not ask for these only, but also for those who believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me, and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. Continue to make us one, Lord. Thank you for the unity that you've worked among us through all of these years of ups and downs as we've journeyed to this good place. Thank you for all of the forgiveness and healing that you've given us. Father, we look to you to lead us in the vision that's being presented today concerning the spiritual growth and discipleship of the people that you've led here to make Friendship Church their home. Work mightily in each of us to have the desire to grow into more Christ-likeness through knowing your word and being obedient to it. In the name of Jesus. Amen. I'd like everybody just to look around the building, look around the room, look at the people sitting next to you, your family, your friends, your fellow believers, the building, the staff that we have. Are we blessed or what? We are so blessed. Father God, we, we just want to give you our thanks. Father, you give us so many gifts. You are so, you provide for us so much. Your benevolence is amazing. And Father, we just thank you. Thank you for your provision for this church over 40 years, Lord. You've continued to provide for this church with outstanding leadership, outstanding staff, outstanding volunteers, great programs, Lord, great facilities. There's so many people, so much time, and so much has gone into it. And Father, we're just so thankful. And Father, your faithfulness is... We have no words. Father, we ask you as we go forward into the future that you give us your wisdom. You give us your discernment. You give us your strength. It's been a very difficult couple of years, Lord. And yet, we... You've continued to provide for Friendship Church and your church. It's been very difficult for some churches in the country. Some churches are no longer in existence. And Father, yeah, you continue to provide for us. Father, we ask you uh, to help us to follow your will. What is your will as we provide for the people in need right here next to us? 
We have a benevolence offering that, Father, we ask you to continue to provide. We have facilities, Lord, that need some repairs sometimes. Father, we ask you to continue to provide. We have wonderful work being done in and outside of this church. So many wonderful things happening. Father, we ask you to provide. And we ask you all along to just make us smart enough to do your will. Your will, Lord. Father, we ask all this in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Um, do something a little different this time. If anybody's been on a missions trip through Friendship Church or has served on the missions board, if you could please stand up. I know there's a lot of people. Look at how many people we have. Wow. Can uh, everybody give a round of applause for these people? Thank you. You can see. Um, it's been a difficult year for global missions, even local missions. There's been a lot of lockdowns, as we know. There continues to be lockdowns in other countries. It's making it challenging for these missionaries to share the gospel. But there has been missionaries that have been able to share in creative ways that have shared with us the missions team, and that's wonderful. But uh, I want to take a little time and bow our heads, and we're going to pray um, as a group and uh, pray for these people, our missionaries, and our brothers and sisters in Christ. Dear Lord, we, um, we lift up these uh, missionaries who are in Europe, Central America, Asia, Lord, that are in significant lockdowns, Father, and we pray for... Um, your way, Lord, that you will you'll make a way, Father, that uh, these missionaries can continue to share the gospel. And uh, Lord, we lift that up to you. We pray for political unrest in Afghanistan, Haiti, Mali. Lord, we pray for those missionaries, and some are being threatened with their lives, Lord, and we lift them up to you. We pray as a body of Christ. We ask for your protection, your discernment, your wisdom. As the body of Christ, we lift this up to you, Father. Lord, we pray also that as a body of Christ, that we be active, that we would send more laborers into the harvest. Lord, that we know Friendship Church has been a very generous church towards missions, and we want to continue that, Lord, and we want that to be blessed. And Father, we lift up and we pray for new uh, laborers in the field, Lord, and that will be coming from this church as well, Father, and we lift that up and we pray for those individuals who feel led to lead new trips to be a part of a missions team. And Lord, we, we just look to you. And, and as you tell us in Luke 10 two, Jesus said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. And Lord, that is our prayer. And Lord, um, help us. Help us to be uncomfortable, Lord, to not just globally, Lord, but locally and regionally, Lord, that we would be inspired by others and that we'd want to go out and share the good news, Lord, because that is your great commission. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.